You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Happy Thursday, everyone out there. Welcome back from the All-Star break. This is the Ruler of the Court podcast. I'm your host, Jason Jones of The Athletic. And the Ruler of the Court podcast is brought to you by the Basketball Podcast Network. And once again, I'm joined by my frequent now, occasional, (laughs) I don't know how to describe it, co-host, Lamika. Hello. Happy to be back. And yeah, she's very excited to talk about the Kings, probably, which is good because I can get fatigued speaking about the team sometimes, and she brings a little energy to the situation. <laughs> and the Kings returned to practice Wednesday night, preparing to host the Houston Rockets today. Uh, and now, last time the Kings saw the Rockets, the Rockets had James Harden. The uh, Rockets also beat the Kings twice. And that was uh, probably the beginning of what would turn out to be a downturn to the Kings as part of a losing 9 of 11 games. That was also back when we got the please trade Marvin Bagley tweet from um, Marvin Bagley III's dad, Marvin Jr. So there was a lot going on a little more than two months ago when the Kings played the Rockets. Since then... uh, James Harden is now a Brooklyn net. Uh, the Rockets have lost their center, Christian Wood, to injury. They've uh, released DeMarcus Cousins. And they've really tumbled in the standings. I'm like, like really tumbled to, to the point to where those who might have thought the Rockets were a playoff team, they can't even, they can't say that. I mean, the Rockets had an 11-game losing streak. Just got really, really bad with for the Rockets. So, yeah, if you're the Kings coming out of this break, you probably figure, hey, this might be a game we can get. Mm, I, but then again, as I've said multiple times, the Kings are not good enough to ever assume they can beat anyone. Just because, well, when you're the Kings and you're not that good yourself, walking into any game thinking we got this is a recipe to... Get yourself embarrassed again. So, if you're a Kings fan, you gotta hope that the guys use the break to get refocused, you know, come out with some dedication, some fire, and 
hopefully you think that you know Tyrese Halliburton's feeling good enough to contribute right away and actually here's how crazy it is the Kings are actually two games ahead of the Rockets who have lost I thought it was 11 they've lost 13 in a row so you think you got it bad in Sacramento you thought it was bad but you went from 12 and 11 to 14 and 22 the Rockets might take that they were 11 and 10 they're now 11 and 23 so yeah Oh, that's bad. Yeah, that's really bad. And what did John Wall, you know, I think I'm paraphrasing what John Wall said about them before the break. He basically said, referring to the team, we're ass. This shit's terrible. And I would have to agree with him wholeheartedly because how to lose 13, I know that Christian Wood is a big part of what they were doing, but to lose 13 straight, ooh, that's tough. And now they're, they're also in that fade for Cade category, you know. You know, tanking for Jalen Green, whatever the case may be, the, the Rockets may have played themselves into that in reverse by dropping 13 straight. They're only ahead of the Minnesota Timberwolves in the standings because the Minnesota Timberwolves have lost nine straight and they're seven and 29. So as bad as the Rockets have been, they're still five games ahead of the Timberwolves. Shocking. And the Kings, as bad as they've been, they're only four games out of that play-in situation. Uh, Memphis is 16 and 16. The Kings are 14 and 22. You know, they still, you know, if they can get things right, you know, they're only a game behind New Orleans and, and Oklahoma City. Let's see what they can do as we look forward to the second half of the season. And I'll ask Mika, you know, you've been forced to watch a couple of Kings games with me. Mm-hmm. Uh... You know, because, well, we have watched everything on TV now, and in your limited viewing of this team, is there anything you're looking forward to seeing from this group? I'm actually excited to see this game happen. Um, this game? This game, because... Why? Well, because they have a chance and an opportunity, um, you know, based on the records. So, there's somebody that is worse off than them. So here's an opportunity to kind of use it as, you know, how do you work the team dynamics? We've talked about this before. Um, and play against another team who who is worse off. So. Okay, well, hear that? I'm, I'm staying optimistic for them. Okay, yeah. And they could somehow, yeah. So, oh, see, that's refreshing because y'all know me. I'd be like, mm. Mm, this is the type of game they lose by 20. Just because that is... You should make a little wager on this. No. <laughs> no, I'm not wagering anything on on these two teams. I'm not wagering... That's what makes it easy and, and fun to do. No, I'm not betting money based on whether or not someone... It doesn't have to be money. Whatever. It be non-monetary. Whatever. I'm not wagering anything... <laughs> Based on whether or not someone happens, to, you know, what if someone happens to come in contact with someone who tested positive for COVID and now half the team can't play? Now my wager is screwed because someone bumped into some. I don't. I'm not, and I would never put any money on. I don't have any faith in either team like that to put anything on them. Nothing. No faith. None. They've get, neither team has given me reason to have any faith. I mean, the only thing is, the only thing that makes this game interesting, I guess, is because neither team can, one of them got to win. Mm-hmm. And if you're the Kings, do you want to be the team that says, damn, they had lost 13 in a row. They saw us and got to win. 
you know, slump buster. You know, the Kings don't want to be the slump buster. They've been the slump buster this season. If you couldn't score points, you play the Kings, all of a sudden you look like the 2017 Warriors. You know, so at the very least, have enough pride to not let this team that is beaten down, as E-40 would say, dusted and disgusted. They've been kicked to the curb for the last month of the NBA season. My man, poor Steven Silas, this is his first head coaching job. This is what he gets. If you're, if you're the Kings, don't be that team that lets them off the hook. You know, don't let, don't be the team that gives them a chance to feel good about themselves. So that's, you know, I would go deeper and dive more into the whole second half preview, but we got 30 something games to talk about the second half of the season. Next thing I want to jump into is some light positive news for the Kings or the city of Sacramento. Three players, three pros with Sacramento ties are finalists for the 2020, no, the 2021 mm-hmm. Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame. Uh, ladies, first we'll start with Yolanda Griffith, Sacramento Monarchs legend. Uh, I covered the Monarchs for a year. After that year, they folded. It's kind of sucks, you know, but yeah. You know, that was that was a fun season for me to cover them. And then you've got two other people from the the Sacramento Heyday. You got Coach Rick Adelman and you've got uh someone who I wrote about a year ago. This is long overdue and it's pretty just I don't get what the this this almost feels punitive at this point. Chris Weber is a finalist. Yay Okay, yeah. <laughs> and as much as I love Vlade or whatever, you know, yeah, he was an international selector. There's no way Vlade should have been in the Hall of Fame before Webb. No. I just... No. And I've always, you know, as you talk to people, I believe that the the Hall of Fame has held the Michigan stuff, the whole booster scandal over against him. Because there, I mean, there's no other logical reason why Chris Webber is not already in the Hall of Fame. You take it to the fact he had one of the, the greatest, most decorated high school careers in, in in American history, just so people who don't know, the Naismith uh, Basketball Hall of Fame is not just a pro basketball Hall of Fame. It includes high school. It includes your whole impact on the game. And you look at the high school career Webb had. You know, take away okay if you want to say the wins at Michigan didn't count because of boosters. And my personal opinion is none of that shit should even matter because all these guys are you're getting something, and I'm not gonna. I don't believe someone getting a jacket from someone or some cash impacted the game at all on the court. If you watch the Fab Five, don't tell me they were dominating people because someone gave them some money. All them guys, well, I think four of them ended up playing in the NBA. Three ended up being pretty damn good pros. So, I, yeah, I just to hold that against Webb, I think it's just ridiculous. But it looks, you know, you know, you look at the other guys nominated and who were finalists. Only guy I'd say to me the clear-cut guy to get in would be Paul Pierce, you know. But I would argue there's no way that Tim Hardaway should get in ahead of Webb. There's no way that Ben Wallace, you know, Marcus Johnson's a finalist. You know, shout out to you know his son, you know Josiah, who makes us all laugh on Twitter. But I don't think Marcus should get in ahead of uh, Webb, even though Marcus Johnson should probably be an All-Star. Just I mean a Hall of Famer because Michael Jordan had his poster on his wall. Yeah, when he was in college. So that, that that might earn him some points there. But as we all know, if you've ever heard any of this podcast before, Mika is a big Chris Webber fan. I am. And That's like my first boyfriend ever okay. in, my, in, my, in my mind. Okay, I'll, I'll let Webb and his family. I'll let Webb know. Did you know you had a girlfriend? You know, before Back in 1991. 
you know, and yeah. And I was a big, big five, not big five, not the store, Fat Fat Five five fan Mm -hmm. because, see, around the time the Fat Five broke through, I was in middle school and we had PE shorts. And our PE shorts were pretty little. And it was not the most comfortable thing. If you ever wore boxers, your boxers were showing through under you. It, it just was, it was not cool. Fat Five come through, and they're wearing the shorts the way we want to wear our shorts. And, and then suddenly, our PE shorts began to gain some length. You know, it wasn't, you know, it was no, it was no longer skies out, thighs out mode for us children. You know, we could, you know, cover a bit of the quadricep muscle. So we're, you know... For that reason alone, I've told Webb, I've told Jalen this, Jalen B and Jalen Rose, I appreciate their contribution to basketball. That alone right there, Hall of Fame worthy in my opinion. But what do I know? What do I know? And is there anything else you want to add about Chris? You know, did you enjoy, I don't know, his days as a Washington Bullet? Actually, I was trying to find that jersey of Mitchell and Ness. I want a Washington Bullet jersey. They're sold out sucks but you know he was you know know, he started as a warrior dunked on Barkley you know rookie of the year you know then gets traded to to Washington ends up in Sacramento and he told a pretty good story on the podcast with my buddy Logan Murdoch and Rajah Bell about when he was traded to Sacramento he actually thought he was going to be a Laker that's what the trade was supposed to be he was supposed to be a Laker Wow. and imagine a Shaq Weber Kobe Trio. Yeah, they might have they ran off three already. They might have ran off five or six in a row with that. So Sacramento, whether or not you like it or not, whether you really realize it or not, you you didn't stop a dynasty, but you prevented a dynasty from being completely ridiculously embarrassing. That would have been ridiculous. They that would have just been insane. You would have had a team of possibly Shaq, Chris Webber. Rick Fox in the front court with Kobe and Ron Harper and Derek Fisher as your three guards. B. Shaw off the oh yeah, that would have been nasty. So as an LA guy, and I I say I don't like you, Jeff Petrie, for making that trade because that would have made my college years heavenly. But I digress before y'all get mad at me for being a Laker fan. But this brings me to uh, the other finalist uh, from Sacramento, Rick Adelman. Another one where you know. You know, one of the most winningest coaches in, in NBA history. You know, the only coach to win significantly in Sacramento in the thirty over 35 years the team has been in the city. They've actually, you know, they, the one stretch where the Kings were actually relevant and not a joke of the league was when Rick Adelman was coach. That's Hall of Fame worthy right there. You know, the Kings have had how many winning seasons or whatever the case may be. Dana, all of them can't, you know, like, lose, 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 lose. Rick Adelman, win, 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 win. Fire Rick Adelman. Ain't been back to the playoffs since. Hmm. So, don't, you know, so, hey. Right, right there, I think, cements, uh, shit, cement Adelman's uh, candidacy. He won everywhere he was, except, you know, he didn't win in Golden State, but he was in Golden State at a time when nobody won in Golden State. No, he did okay in Houston. Didn't really do uh, great in Minnesota, but again, again, outside of Flip Saunders, when he had a young, you know, a, a MVP caliber Kevin Garnett, who was one in Minnesota, mm, Thibodeau had what a winning season. Yeah, you don't win there. So 
Rick Adelman, in my opinion, all the, all the Sacramento, you know, Yolanda Griffith, you know, seven-time WNBA All-Star, two-time gold medalist in the Olympics, said the best player on a championship team. To me, this should be a big day, induction day for the Kings and the Monarchs in Sacramento, and maybe can get some momentum from, again, I remember this is when Vivek, Ronnie David bought the team. There was some talk about when he bought the team, he would bring back the WNBA squad, he'd bring back the Monarchs. Still no monarchs, but hey, money's tight, and that doesn't take away from what they meant to the city. Still the only championship, basketball championship in Sacramento, so they deserve that. And Weber's jersey is retired up there. I I, I don't know why I'm blanking on whether Yo's is, but it should be if it's not. You know, I'm just blanking. I haven't, it's like I've been in the arena, but I haven't been able to, kind of like, to really look around and kind of get a good glimpse like I usually do. That probably the biggest um, mark on the franchise. Not the biggest mark, but one of the kind of biggest what ifs is why hasn't the team done anything for Rick Adelman? You know, this ownership group didn't fire Rick, so why haven't they just kind of stepped in? I mean, to me, at the very least, it'd be good PR to say, you know what, let's honor the coach who <laughs> led this team to success. But I have a theory as to why you probably wouldn't do that. Because if you bring Rick back, say honor Rick for a night, it wouldn't be this season. Obviously, you wouldn't do it when you have fans. You honor Rick. It's also a reminder of the lack of success the Kings have had since Rick. Mind you, this group didn't fire Rick Adelman. You know, so they shouldn't feel anything about that. But I could understand not wanting to spotlight the fact that the team has pretty much been, you know, as John Wall would say, ass since Rick was gone. No winning seasons. No playoff appearances. 14 straight years uh, with no playoffs. There are kids going to high school who have never seen the Kings in the playoffs. And as this season is going right now, it's going to be 15. And as you all know, that would tie the Buffalo Braves slash San Diego Clippers slash L.A. Clippers for the longest streak of missing the playoffs. Yeah, the Clippers were so bad, they missed the playoffs in three different cities. (laughs) and on two different coasts and the kings are about to join that club as well so that's that when it comes to king basketball like i said second half of the season kicks off tonight against the houston rockets you know if the kings can get this can get it can get a w what would that be that would be what three wins in their last five after a nine game losing streak it should be four out of five but we're going to pretend like that charlotte game didn't happen and not remind everyone about that. Oops, I just reminded y'all of the Charlotte game. But still, and this is a very winnable game before the Kings get back on the road. Another road trip coming up soon. Go headed back east. So they need every win they can get. And I think this would be a, a good opportunity. So, so I don't know. Uh, so, Miss Mika, do you have any more further Sacramento basketball memories you'd like to share with Rick Adelman or? If you care not to, it's okay because we all know it's, you're just hanging out with me and you're just happy about Chris Weber and pretty much. <laughs> but there is some positive that there are some you know Sacramento King um, legacies, you know, mm-hmm. going you know possible no, Hall not, of Famers. And so. no, I'm not buying you some Chris Weber Hall. You can buy your own Chris Weber Hall of Fame stuff if he gets in. You know. <laughs> Whatever. You you were too happy about this. What? 
Okay, that, that's Robert. my my king connection right there. Mm-hmm, yeah, and <laughs> before you, that was my king connection. Mm-hmm, and she doesn't understand that for years, a lot, many of my female friends who who shall remain nameless have always said, "Have you met Chris Weber? Oh my God, I would love to talk to Chris Weber." I'm like, I am not. I'm like, I believe the man has a wife and children. I'm not. The Chris Webber hookup person? I just said that was like my boyfriend back. The first I know. Boyfriend back I know. Way, I, 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 I get that. I'm just yes. saying it's amazing before how I. Kids I, before wife. How, yes. how I meet so many. Mm-hmm. I would love to meet Chris Webber people. Mm-hmm. And I just really hope he gets this honor. I still. I like, hope so too. Like I said, I think for me, maybe as an outsider looking in, so to speak, I still don't think people appreciate just how good Webb was. Mm-hmm. You know? I mean, there's people in Sacramento I see who care who love Jason Williams more than they love Webb. But I'm like, okay, I guess. I mean, you got your favorite players, but I still don't believe that Webb gets the proper respect he, he should get, not just in Sacramento, but around the league for what he did. He came up and, and played dominant basketball in an era where you had Tim Duncan playing power forward, Kevin Garnett, Carl Malone was still around, you know, you know, Rasheed Wallace. You look around, Dirk Nowitzki. Uh, so many good you no know, basketball players were around back then, and he was still among the best. You know, so before uh, I guess we can move on now cause, okay. uh, to to music. And this week is a remember we remember one of the sadder moments in hip hop is this week back in 1997 where we lost Notorious B.I.G. Who was uh, murdered in Los Angeles after leaving you know an industry party and caused me to kind of just take it back and just about his brief but very successful career and what he meant to hip hop just in that span that he was so good that you got people who will still say he's the greatest rapper of all time even with that limited sample size. So. I don't know if I. You want to go first, or I go first. Talking about you know, you know, Biggie. Cause, you know, I don't know. Were you a big Biggie fan? A little bit. Mm-hmm. I mean, there were some songs that you know mm-hmm. stick out in my mind. Um, like "One More Chance" with Faith Evans and Mary J. Mm-hmm. Um, that I, I like when we talk about collaborations, mm-hmm. and that I like that collaboration was cool. Um, and then. You know, I love it when you call me Big Pop, but I like that one too. Okay, see. <laughs> see, when Biggie hit, it meant something different for me because back then I was in high school and, you know, I wasn't I wasn't no slim dude and Biggie gave big dudes life. Like, he was like, you know, he said, heartthrob never, black and ugly as ever. However, I stay coochie down to the socks. It was like... He was like, I ain't pretty, I ain't no looker, but I'm fly. And it gave big... It's all about the swag. He had major yeah. swag. He gave big dudes like this whole new level of like, hey, I think what his face said. You said, you meet him, you, by, by the end of the conversation, you don't you forget what he looked like, everything. He's like, oh, he's so sweet. Uh-huh. And it was like, you know, you know, he up in the video getting his belly rubbed. It was like, it was kind of cool to be a big dude. <laughs> it was like, yeah, you know, it was... You know, and it, so just that part right there, I thought was just cool for the game. It's cool, cool for hip hop that, you know, on one spectrum you had LL, mm. you know, you had, you know, I work out, I'm buff, you know, 
And then on the other spectrum, you had a dude who basically came out and said, I am not easy on the eyes. And I know this. And he was running with Craig Mack. But swag goes a long way, though. That's what and, and, and that's what he had. That's, that's what, what he brought. And his music and, and, and his energy, all of it. That's what I hear as a person with no swag. That's what I hear about the swag. You know, really? maybe one maybe one day I'll have some swag. Oh, goodness gracious. What? <laughs> okay. What? Moving on. We're not, yo, we're still talking about Biggie? <laughs> no. And okay, yeah, we're going to talk about Biggie. You're still talking about Biggie? Okay. You know, and I still remember where where I was when we found out that Biggie had died. This was back in 97. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like we had phones that were alerting us of stuff. Mm-mm. I was in I was in college in probably I think I was probably in the dorm. It was a Sunday morning. I was probably in the definitely I was definitely I was in the dorms, and I heard it on KML, on the radio station, and it was like, "What the hell you mean Biggie's dead? Mind you, Pac had already been killed, you know, about six months earlier, and so I think if it didn't hit you at that point, how serious the whole gunplay violence, how you know the streets and hip hop kind of crossed over. That's when it really hit you. If it if it hadn't hit you already, you're like, damn. And there was just so many questions asked to like, why was Biggie even in L.A.? The streets was hot. Why would you know? There's so many things going on. He had a new album and was coming out. There's just so many. There's so many questions and kind of like a lot of uh, killings and murders of uh, young black men. That one remains unsolved. Even though I know you've all seen the various documentaries about who is believed to have killed Biggie, you know, and, and, you know, the car and so on and so forth, you know, but in terms of, you know, the legally, no one's ever been charged or convicted of his murder, you know, his, you know, his mother sued the LAPD as as word kind of came out, kind of just how crooked the LAPD was in that situation and all of that. And it remains one of the bigger tragedies in hip hop. The fact that someone so talented, someone who still probably had so much more to give to the game, was taken so so tragically, violently, you know, at a young age, you know, think about it. We lost Big and Pac. They didn't even, they didn't even really, they didn't get to live their mid-20s and they were gone. And I look back, I'm like, man, I can't imagine everything being over for me like at 23, 24. And it just makes the whole beef thing even more trivial when you realize these were essentially kids arguing mm-hmm. but they were arguing on on records and you know yesterday I was out for my little afternoon jog and I had my Tupac mix on and or, or the mix that the, the streaming service gives you and Hit 'em Up came on and I was like man do we realize how wild a song that was? Like that hit him up. The, the stuff Pac said, and then you listen to, you no, know, who shot you? It was like, you know, it was clearly young energy, youthful, you know, energy that would allow you to put a song like that out. That was so just. You're looking back. You say, no wonder people were shooting people. I mean, this stuff was some some, some crazy stuff. And I think now, you know, maybe people have learned. I don't know. You know, you would hope people have learned, but I don't want to dwell on that. I'm gonna dwell. I'll talk some more about you know the, the good stuff from Biggie. Do you have you meant you 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 mentioned your favorite Biggie songs? Uh, 
I don't know if I had I can just go with one or two or three because I just there's different songs I like. A different periods of time in your life, what's going on? Yeah. More yeah. money, more problems. I haven't experienced that yet. <laughs> you know, but you know, you just you know, you you know, you listen to you know, Jay his song with you know, Brooklyn's finest with him and Jay Z. Mm-hmm. You know. You know, you know, if Faith have twins, she probably have two pocks. You know, that's still one of the most funniest, clever, self-deprecating, just good lines I've ever heard. I mean, it takes a lot to get on the microphone and be like, yeah, this dude been out here saying he slept with my wife and my wife is pregnant and I'm going to make a joke about it. You know, I'm pretty sure Faith didn't appreciate that. No. You know, but that's hip- that was the that's hip hop. You know, you say some stuff you probably shouldn't say, you know. That probably that might be my favorite Biggie line ever, and to me the most impressive Biggie bars ever. It may not have been the um, like lyrically most impressive, but you know you can bait that all you want. Was the song he did with Bone Thugs and Harmony, the way he jumped on there and like cause, and and jumped in and had their flow. That flow from Bone Thugs was so unique. It was hot. It was fast. It was just, you know. And for him to jump on that track and have that same flow remains, to me, is one of the more impressive things that I heard him do, you know. Uh, I'm trying to think what other songs do I like. I mean, Ready to Die just had so many of them, you know. Because Big was such an elite storyteller, you know. Just you know, you know, you go to me and my bitch was was a you know, great just a story to you know, a storytelling. You know, I got a story to tell. You know, the 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 story behind you know him being in the girls' crib and her dude playing for the Knicks and all that and the rumors about which Nick he was talking about. <laughs> you know. The, like I said, the storytelling was is so vivid that even if he was making it up, I believed it. <laughs> it was just so good. He just painted such great pictures. One, you know, definitely. Like I said, it's hard for me to say he's the best of all time, just because I would have loved to have seen a longer run. And to me, what kind of def- makes you the best sometimes is you got to put out that one project where people are like, eh, I ain't really feeling this. Then you got to come back better. Like, Jay put out, like, that Kingdom Come thing. And people was like, okay, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. Should have stayed retired. If it's just, you know. So you, you got you to, gotta, that's part of longevity, you know, because very few artists have a run where they say they never missed. Right. You know, and Biggie didn't miss in his two swings. And his impact is still felt to this day, I believe. I mean, I think, that you, especially back in New York, you got people still chasing that ghost of him lyrically and storytelling-wise. And how can I ever get to that level? And Big just came out the, you know, out, you know, out the box with that, you know. You know, you know, Super Nintendo, Sega Genesis, when I was dead, you know, sounds crazy. You know, but just like, it was a big old party. And to me, when Big died, in a lot of ways, Bad Boy died. Cause yeah, it, a huge part of it was just like it wasn't the same, you know. It was like who was gonna write for Puff, you know. It was just, it just like it just wasn't the same. I mean, I know Jada Kiss was there, but you know, it just wasn't the same once Big was gone. And I just think, 
his his death just kind of was like you know coupled that with Pac, it just took a lot of the air out of people because it was like man we really out here killing people over music mm-hmm. so that's my those are my thoughts on big you know hit me on social you know after i tweet this out let me know what your favorite biggie song is your favorite verses whatever going back to cali mm-hmm we thought Listen he was to that today. I thought he was. We thought he was crazy back in '97. Like you going back to where? Like you know, we shooting people out here. Yeah. And, and it's like, and then just tragically how it happened, mm-hmm. you know. But it was just like everyone was like, you know, you can't go to Cali. Not right you, now. You know, but hey, you know, maybe some things just happen the way they're supposed to happen. So, on that note, uh, I don't want to keep y'all down. Go play. Go play. Go play Ready to Die. Go play Juicy. Go play, you know, get your, get your mind right. Go f- play your favorite Biggie song, Biggie verses, your big your, your favorite Biggie features. Have a good time, you know. Go Kings. Yeah, well, I ain't going to say that. Go Kings. Okay, you see the Kings. She become a fan of y'all. Well, she's really a Weber fan, but that don't really, you know, we ain't going to hold that against her. You know, she's really excited for, for the Kings now. So, again, you know me on Twitter, Mr. Underscore Jason Jones. Instagram, Mr. Jones LBC. I'm trying to think, is there anywhere else you need to find me? Do you want people to find you at all? Are you cool? I'm not a big Twitter person, so. Okay, so you can't find her. Mm-mm. So, you know, you took You the, probably could, but. You, it would, you'd get no value out no, of it. No, you wouldn't. This so. is probably the best place to find me. Okay. Here periodically on Ruler of the Court. Okay, yeah. Again, I'm Jason Jones. Miss Lamika. And we are gone. Y'all have a good day. <laughs>